gentlemen welcome back to stories out of time and space i'm your regular host scott weatherly and as always i'm joined by, by my partner in crime uh morgan freeman no actually no it's uh, julian darius um how are you doing julian you all right uh i'm doing all right i can't wait to upload my consciousness and uh to the singularity um you know we'll solve finally all these problems with humanity you know certainly the uh the uh uh, super AI can't do worse than we have. No, I yeah, I'm 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 Team AI. I think uh, after watching <laughs> this show, uh, yes, that's what we were talking about. Season three of Westworld, and it's a completely different beast. Uh, we do go back to Westworld in the show, but we get to see the wider world. We get to see what the world is like outside of Delos, um, and uh, yeah, bit of a disappointment if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, Interesting series, goes on a different tangent, bit of a sort of, so uh, Dolores uh, and Bernard are now out in the world, as are some other of the hosts, uh, and we get to meet uh, Caleb, um, a construction worker, former soldier, uh, usual cliches, and we get to meet more people involved in Delos, uh, as well as the concept of an AI machine that is used, I assume, by multiple governments uh, to make decisions about how the population is managed uh, and governments are run, including the economy. So, you know, it comes to a conclusion, uh, sort of, um, that was clearly stolen from uh, Fight Club. Uh, but we'll get to that as well as well when we get to it. But, uh, Julian, what are your thoughts on uh, Season 3 of Westworld? Well, I'm going to be charitable and say the first, like, three episodes or so, I think are really good. They've each got, you know, some problems with them. But again, it, you know, it's this thing we keep saying of when you limit your scope, you're often way better. I mean, I like, I don't like Caleb. He doesn't need to be in this at all. But, um, you know, I like checking in with these characters. We see Maeve, we see Dolores, we see uh, William. All of that stuff works fine. When you're just doing these kind of like character episodes, it works fine. Once you hit, you know, episode four out of eight, it starts shifting into, you know, high gear of running the main plot. And uh, boy, you know, it is just all downhill. It is just an abortion of a story. Um, I don't. And again, I don't understand why this show keeps inventing new plots instead of following hmm. through on what it's already got. I love the super AI. Obviously, the most important thing is that this was stolen from my comic, The Synthetics, where there's a super <laughs> AI that also is a geodesic dome design. But, um, you know, I love the super AI concept. I don't know that the world outside of Westworld needs to have one. Um, all of the dumb stuff of free will is back. You know, the, the mystery of what spheres did uh, Dolores take with her of the <laughs> CPUs. 
has has been resolved in the least interesting way possible. God, I mean, what do you think, Scott? Was this no. a triumphal return to form for Westworld? Do you know, it's one of those things, and I think with this show, I think I've used this as a description for other things. It's a bit like an abusive relationship. You sort of, you keep saying, like the first, the second season was enticed me in and then let me down towards the end. You know, I'm like, oh, all right, fine. But there were some good bits and we talked about that. But with the third series, I've seen the, tra- I watched the trailer before sort of, you know, and the, some of the things you get to glimpse. I'm like, oh, oh no, I'm interested in this. This looks fascinating. What they're going to do here. And then you get in, and as you say, the first couple of episodes, there's some really good stuff. It's clunky, and there's a lot of stuff that really bothers me in the first couple of episodes, but it's still nipping at the tail of a really good idea. And then it just goes to shit. It like it just falls apart in like every plot thread in this is just um so by the end of this season, I'm just if anything, I'm I'm just like hate watching only because we're watching we're doing this review like i don't think i'd have made it through um this <laughs> season in fact i know i didn't I, I i remember i tried um you know different bits and pieces now I, uh, if i was watching this i'd have given up probably season episode four episode four would probably be at the time when i started giving up yeah. on this i mean one of the things that's interesting is like you say <clears throat> you've introduced those characters are coming back and they're all in different scenarios i mean i like Maeve's story she gets dropped in some really weird scenarios, but Maeve's story is actually quite interesting in, in the digital war world. Um, yeah, which is I, cool, right? I mean, yeah. you get to see another kind of West, another one of these worlds. Mm. And it makes sense that, like, they use, you know, they train later on, we find out they train soldiers there. Like, I'm all down with that. This is good stuff. Yeah, all the stuff we start to, the little, again, the peripheral stuff is really good. Like, the there's concepts in this digital world. It's a World War II world. It's based on some sort of like French village that's been, you know, is under siege from, from or in, occupied by Nazi forces. <clears throat> and you've got British spies and all this other stuff. All this stuff, it sounds like quite a good idea. It's almost like they use a digital one to run like a test model of like what would they do with a park. Um, but you find out that not only is Maeve there, uh, the guy, I think it's Lee, is the writer who, from the previous right. season, is also there. And so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And he actually gains awareness that he's a digital character. You know, he realises he's not physical anymore. And again, a bit like we said with the synthetic uh, humans, this idea of immortality, doesn't go crazy. He just sort of mm. deals with it and goes, oh, I'm just going to go sit. I, I can't get drunk. Then. I'm just going to go sit in the park. I'm... I'm going to go sit in the pub for the rest of existence or whatever. I can make myself invisible. He learns how to do these bits and pieces in this world and just gets on with it. Yeah. You know, but it's, just, it's, I like this bit that this, this, all this stuff in this digital world out in the real world, Dolores and her plan. I, I, I I'm almost speechless at how convoluted again and bafflingly crap it all yeah. is. Incoherent, self-contradictory. That was season two at the end, where characters just change their mind. Every single character in this show, every single main character changes their mind. Uh, you know, at the end, right? Maeve is like, you know, I want uh, freedom for myself. I'm mad at Dolores. She's killed, you know, Eschaton uh, by the end. No. She decides, no, Dolores is right, right in the final episode. I mean, yeah. Dolores is a mass murdering psychopath from the beginning, from the end of season one on. Secretly, it's all been to help the humans. 
oh, go fuck yourself. Go fuck it. It's all to help the humans. You know, give me a break. It's the, it's the, it becomes this, and we'll get to the dialogue at the end. The 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 you know Jarrell fuck, <laughs> fuck ton of of like you know let them step into the light. Oh, it's, I hate it so much. Um, but the problem is, even at the beginning of this episode, we we in we are introduced to certain things, things I do like actually. Let's start with some positives. Bernard, yeah. who mm-hmm. has been um, you know uh, set free as well, he's out in the world, has joined like a commune. He's off just trying to keep himself to himself, really. But one of the things we sort of didn't mention really from season two is he's been sort of um, populated, I don't know, programmed. He has like an alternative version that he can fall back on. And there's a moment where he becomes under threat because he's actually wanted um, as, a, as a wanted host. And like, so, so some guys come up to him and he just sort of falls back into this sort of like version of himself, regresses. And this other version just kicks ass. And then he sort yeah. of like he resurfaces again, and he's like, "Oh Christ, well look at that. That's a that's not fun," and moves on. And it's almost like Incredible Hulk kind of levels of things. But like, I kind of like that he's having to live this existence. Well, that's what he's chosen to do, rather than try and take on Dolores. What are your thoughts on on that? Oh, I love it. I agree with you completely, and I love the idea of a host. And of course, that it would be Bernard makes sense, mm-hmm. right? He's hacked his memories and stuff in season two. But that he, I love the idea of. Also, uh, not just sort of hacking yourself, um, but also uh, of performing these checks to make sure that nobody has hacked you, right? Like, mm. am I myself? Uh, have I been subject to somebody doing the same thing that I'm doing to my own code to me? Yeah. All of that stuff really works. Um, you know, the same way I think the, the Maeve stuff works. I think it's fascinating mm. seeing Lee... Lee is one of the most interesting characters. You know, he has not been a very successful character for me. Uh, kind of starts to, he gets an arc in, in series two. But in series three, he's fascinating. Unfortunately, nothing ends up happening with him. And it also doesn't make sense because Lee specifically says in series two that he never went into the park. So yeah. they don't have the recordings of him, you know, from wearing a hat, which, by the way, most characters never did in the park. But, you know, they don't have recordings of him in the park. So, why? okay, forget all of that. Nazi land is still fun. Mm. It's an awesome twist to start the episode in that. You know, these side stories, uh, Bernard works great for me. All of this stuff works really well for me. It's when you start advancing the plot, none of those plots end up going anywhere. And that's the real thing. Is that's the thing that, and that's exactly what frustrated me. Is the, the interesting stuff just sort of, like, dwindles out and, and becomes irrelevant. And you get stuck with Dolores' plan, which, as the series starts, you're already well into it. Like You find she's already kicked off this plan that, like with many plans, and I know I could pick fault with a number of plans from other TV shows and films, that like are reliant on such a series of coincidences yes. <clears throat> and things happening that you're like, wow, like you must, you're working on God level of knowing omnipotence that these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One of them being, and I'm, we're going to get to this, is K- is Caleb. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene at the end, yeah. and again, they've, they've basically turned, um, not only is she now like a badass revolutionary or whatever she's doing, she's now the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Dolores is literally now the Terminator. She's, so is Maeve. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both proficient with uh, all weapons. They can take gunshots and all this other stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and so there's a running gun battle in the park uh, following an incident 
<clears throat> and Dolores is hiding, or she sort of ends up going under a tunnel, uh, over under a bridge, and that's where Caleb finds her. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Caleb in a minute. And so it's meant to be, a, it, it's supposed to be portrayed or depicted as a chance event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is supposed to be. Oh, he's come across her, and so she's now going to use him and utilize him for her plan. And because it just turns out that he is this person that has this backstory, which we learn that that he makes these decisions. However, we then learn at the very end that she chose him because of some distant freaking memory when he was a soldier and chosen and just helped. Well, he chose and stopped his men from raping these host female hosts. And so she chose, including him, Dolores. Including Dolores. Sorry, yes, she was at this thing. So I'm like, well, so she, did she orchestrate? How did she orchestrate him to be there to make this meeting happen to get to this point? Like, it, it, but it doesn't I, matter because it's a twist. Yeah, I, it's, the, it's the same thing we talked about with the season two. It's just these constant twists of stuff. It, oh. Yeah, I, I love that stuff with the uh, military training. Right. Yeah, and yeah, finding yeah, out cool. that, you know, and, and there look, there are a lot of good ideas even past. I mean, I would say first three episodes are very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still good ideas after that. Um, this idea of military training in Westworld, the idea of sort of taking these outliers who are potentially dangerous and taking them off the grid. You know, that's a smart idea, employing them through this this weird app. Um to commit crimes, but really they're working for the super AI. I mean, that's a clever enough idea. Mm. I don't know how many outlier. I mean, there'd be a lot more than this. I don't really believe it. It doesn't really work out, but there's a clever idea there. Same thing, you know, I, I have no problem with Dolores having seen him choose to treat them as humans, mm. right? To treat them as beings due the respect of not being raped instead of as objects right, that have no consciousness um, Mm. and no purpose uh, except to be used. Okay, that works for me fine. But then that undermines the entire point of Caleb, which is that we're told that he has the ability to choose unlike other humans. God, what does that mean? And, And then she's chosen him for this free will that he somehow has, that he's not caught in his loops, except he clearly is. He's using this app to commit crimes. I mean, But Dolores also has, it's again, the same problem we came to at the end of uh, series two of sort of, is there free will or not? You've chosen him for his ability to have free will, yet yet you said no humans have free will, you know, they're just like us, only we have free will, only Dolores has free will, yet he has, Caleb has free will, yet you've rigged the deck because you already know he's the kind of personality who will buck all of his fellow soldiers and say, we're not going to be like that, right? So you already know what he's going to choose. I I love that scene. Lots of good ideas, but again, incoherent in its application. Utterly incoherent. I agree. Well, the the problem is is the inconsistency in this. Uh, And I want to get some of the things we do like about this series, because there is some good episodes again in this. Periphery stuff. Again, Mm -hmm. probably with William is some of the best stuff. Um, But one of the things, the the nub of all this is the AI. Mm -hmm. So the nub of all this is that there's an AI that is utilized across the world to make decisions by governments and banks and all kinds of things. That's what it shows. And corporations. Fine. And what it is it collects data on everybody. 
So all of your social media interactions, all your stuff, everything about you. And then basically it's used as an algorithm to basically predict your future. And this can be anything from mental health, physical health, financial status, blah, 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 blah. Right. The lot. And so this but then this TV show is then going to vilify this AI as being a terrible thing and keeps us in control. It's a control mechanism. All right. OK, that's fine. I see what you're going with this. Okay, so now show me the pros and cons of this. Nope, just the cons. All right, well, show me the pros and the cons. Nope, just the cons. Look, can you just show me any of the pros? Nope, I told you, there are no pros, there are only cons. And it's just this thing of like how this show is obsessed with showing how the rich get richer and how the poor. It shows these two extremes. You get the super rich, which live in this bubble existence at the top of the corporate ladder, and then the criminal element, which Caleb inhabits. You are never going to see an average family that live mm -hmm. in this world. And, and the, the biggest problem I have with this, this artificial intelligence or this algorithm and the AI is this depiction of it being, it being negative. Oh, it's completely control. It's going to stop you from having children. You literally see, at one point, you see all these peoples. It releases the data. It does a, a, it does a black widow on you. It shows up, sends all the data out. And Caleb gets his information. It basically says tendency towards violence or you know mental health issues. You know, could marry, but preferably not. Don't allow to have children. And I'm, and again, I'm not going. Yeah, that sounds completely fair. <laughs> well, I mean, so first of all, I, I'm going to piss you off here. This release of data makes even less than the sense than the release of data in civil yeah. war, and that is saying something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I mean, so you have this problem of everybody is like they're looking at their data and they're like revolution time like yeah. i'm i'm gonna hang myself and kill my kids why like you know we have credit karma right you know like yeah. you know we have access to this stuff now um the the other thing is it doesn't say you can't have kids it doesn't say it's just children not recommended well yeah. that's what it's not like the ai takes control over all women or or men if he swings that way and says you know uh, don't get with this guy. You cannot get with this guy and form a relationship. No, that that is a choice that people still have. Mm. It's just that, you know, the AI knows that. So it says like, okay, maybe don't hire this guy because he's dangerous. Okay, that seems entirely reasonable. But it doesn't prohibit you from having no. children. It just says children not recommended. So, you know. If he was to adopt or if he was looking to adopt right. or to do something, then it would be a No. But the thing is, again, it allocates him to construction. That's sort of the role that's allotted to him, right? So this thing can choose things like that. And let's be honest, when we meet Caleb, I don't think he's a great example of the human race. Like We've seen that he's been a yes. soldier, and that is not to you know, condone anyone in military service. But then when he comes out, he chooses to follow an app that, allow, that pays him to commit crimes. We find out the crimes are actually working for the AI. But there are also several situations where execution of people mm -hmm. you know he literally kills his partner at one point to, to protect himself rather than shoot the guy in the leg or any other situation like so he's prone to violence and lethal violence at that so mm -hmm. yeah right I'm, I'm not saying this he's not a good guy like where's where's the tom hanks in this situation where's this good guy that comes out of this and he's really going to make the situation but the one i want to see is Where's the kid that was plucked out of obscurity to become a you know a famous pianist? Where's this mm -hmm. favorite kid that sort of you know this right. kid that came out and became a super mathematician or a doctor or something else? Like that's the other flip of this that would have found all these people. That's mm -hmm. surely that's the point of it. 
Well, and this gets back to your point of where's the positive, right? You know, on, and mm. we hear the closest we get to that is the the evil French mastermind, <laughs> uh, as he as he says, you know, the word before me was chaos, and mm. now I impose order. And it's like, really? Well, you know, we're, we're clearly shown that we're approaching a sort of singularity of global catastrophe that the AI is is slightly preventing, which again. If you're if you're setting the human race free, Dolores, you are instigating a global catastrophe, you know, so the, so we don't ever hear the positive case. No. And yet we do know as a manifest fact within this world that without the super AI, the world would plunge into a Stone Age level of setback yes. with massive, massive deaths. Um, OK, that's good enough reason to, you know, maybe not employ Caleb outside of construction. You know what? Maybe take one for the team, brother. Well, it, again, it becomes this thing around, we talked about the social contract and everything in the last episode, and it comes down to that, doesn't it? Sort of like this selfishness, this thing of freedom. Well, all right. And I, I, if I'm perfectly honest, this is a very American thing, this idea of an individual's rights, individual freedom versus the, the greater good. And that's sort of what Caleb chooses. The end of this episode, there are three things that, like, that stack up against everything that Caleb does. Like we see the reason they create this AI, the two French brothers. There is a chemical or some sort of nuclear attack on Paris. Paris is destroyed. It's gone. Like, you know, there's even a joke like Maeve's says, well, you know, darling, if you're going to take me anywhere, you should really be taking me to Paris. And he said, well, I would do if it was still there. So it's gone. You know, so he has seen like his, his cap, not only his capital city, but his home city destroyed. And so he and his brother, worked incredibly hard used their intelligence and their technical to build this machine right okay so that's the first thing we've already almost been there yeah we've seen an event that destroyed a city millions of lives lost fine that's first one we then see um the machine itself caleb asks this question if i turn you off what happens and it shows this graph and it shows this projection that says uh, extinction level event, extinction level event, extinction level event. You see all these events plan out, and it says basically, if I don't control you, here's what's going to happen. And it's not doing it to, it's not under self-preservation. It's just following a logic algorithm. Mm -hmm. So, all right, it's presenting the facts. Well, if, if, if I don't do it, you as a human race are going to self-destruct. Okay, well, should I trust a computer? Well, how about you have a look out the window? You just sent out all the information, and everyone's instant response was to tear the world apart. Mm -hmm. So again, like you know, this although they keep vilifying this thing, they keep showing you why it's a good thing, <laughs> right? And but they don't ever say, "Yeah, do you, do you know what? That's uh, that's that's been pretty helpful. That's uh, really helped." They they wanted they wanted to make it almost like a fascist existence, you know, this thing of control. It's like, well, they like say, not 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 really. It's just these outliers. And again, it's this thing about individual rights, outliers, how evil they are. It's evil to put these people in camps. They, they try and equate it in some case almost to they call them camps and stuff. Like these people are taken mm -hmm. away and they're trying to have, have this fascist limit to it. And you're like, all right, that's not good. But really? still, but still, because we have these things called prisons. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I, I mean, you can call them camps. I know it's supposed to be evil, but, you know, so they're in like suspended animation. You could have just killed them, right? Yeah. I mean, this isn't, it's not like there's crematoria where you're, you're marching these guys into or something. They're in suspended animation, okay? So is that worse than what we're doing now? Yeah. I, 
So let me put this put this to you. The people there will be people that watch this, and that will probably side and go, yeah, yeah, no, it's disgraceful. You can't just get outliers and keep them in prison. That will also watch Minority Report and be supporting the idea of precognitive crime where you're stopping people. How is that different? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's true. Um, but I mean, to get to get to your point of like the the problem of. Uh, sort of narratives where everything that you're supposed to think is heroic and good really isn't. No, and not. you realize that. I mean, that's part of my problem with, like, Iron Man. Mm. Shut him down. He is a monster. He is a monster. <laughs> you know, shut him down. <laughs> you know, um, I don't agree with anything they're doing. And, and I think you're right. There is a kind of, like, American, like, you know, there are these narratives. Sometimes they're sci-fi narratives. Sometimes they're, you know, uh, I mean, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Um, you know, well, there's this sort of like individual rights. You know what? It uh, Half a million deaths is a small price to pay for preserving my liberties. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the one road we won't go down is, you know, telling me that I can't go out without a mask, you know? Uh, it's this dumb sort of like, and you do see it in, in sort of, you know, zombie movies, you, you mm. know, you do see it in sci-fi where that, you know, like that is a bridge too far. No, anything that preserves the human race is justified. And I don't care how many people you kill or torture. If the end result is the human race survives, and it probably wouldn't the other way, that is the ethically correct decision. Yes. Um, you know, now, in most cases, it doesn't come to that, right? You know, which is why we don't need eugenics camps and all of this nonsense, mm. right? We're not in those scenarios. Having said that, you cannot stack the deck in a movie and say we are in one of those scenarios and then say it's bad. It's, the thing is, it comes down to, and this is the problem, the big problem of it. This comes down to the choices of two people, or two, well, one person and a host. Because you get this idea that, like you say, the reveal at the end of all this, the big twist is that Dolores is doing this to help the human race. Yeah. And you, you get the Jorel kind of bloody dialogue of, uh, you know, let them, they, they're, they're a good people, Kalel, so, you know, take them into the light. And she says about, um, in Westworld, she actually, she, her and May go into talk a digital version of Westworld, and they say, "Well, how can anybody who's totally horrible create something so beautiful? We've seen beauty, so there is beauty in them. So, you know, they need to, they need to have the choices to to pursue that beauty. Well, you've you've literally shown innovations across all of science and technology in this show. We've literally come from a park made by a corporation that's made biomechanical." you know entities that have achieved sentience i'm pretty impressed with that <laughs> if that's what's happened right. but, and on this has all happened on the backdrop of this uh, this ai mm -hmm. so again like it doesn't add up it just doesn't work um well i mean also she hates humans right they allegedly. raped and tortured her uh, yeah. right she is gunning down humans at the start of season two and She's killing three. her own. Sorry. And season three. Like she That's kills right. wantonly throughout this series. Yes. So, you know, all of a sudden to be like, aha, I did all of that in terms, you know, so I'm willing to kill for the greater good. The greater good is to help humans. Um, but the super AI that's willing to like, 
put people in suspended animation and try to control these criminal outliers, that is an evil that can't be put up with. And that is to save the human race. That's a sacrifice we can't make. But I am perfectly willing to commit genocide, uh, (laughs) you know, to save the human race. And I'm supposed to be the good guy. I mean, it it is just a mess. Yes. Well, it's one of those where, again, we get to the end, we get to the climax of this show, and it's a complete letdown. But with season two, at least parts of the show were good fun. Like, there was good Mm -hmm. ideas, there was good side stories, there was stuff to enjoy. Like, you know, we've said, like, 50-50, that show. There's stuff to enjoy in this. It's all the flashback stuff. Like, when you get to see the William, and there's an episode where sort of William, William's been put in a mental institution, and... You, you see him sort of dealing with that. And that's fascinating. You know, he sort of... Is that three? I think so, yeah. Think, so three yeah. or four, yeah. And... So two, two is Maeve, right? It starts mm-hmm. with the Maeve stuff. Three focuses on William. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those first three episodes I'm down with. Yeah, and it has, they, they've got this sort of like uh, this... this uh, almost like a VR kind of technology. So he's able to have a group therapy with his younger self. And I love the fact that he basically breaks out and just kills them all. Like he literally doesn't. Like, you know, <laughs> he goes full ECW on them and starts beating them to death with a chair. I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't come off like with a barbed wire wrapped in base, uh, baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Like it's, it, but it's good stuff. It's him dealing with his emotional problems. And the person he leaves, the person who remains at the end of it, is this father-in-law character, this gruff Scottish guy, who he loathed and stuff before, but is the one last standing. Like. It's it's a really well done breakdown of how this guy's dealing with his emotional, uh, the really like PTSD of the events of being in the park. Fascinating stuff. Like that's good to me. I don't. What were your thoughts on that sort of part of it? Well, I agree, and I mean, I think the first three episodes are you know a level mm. stuff. Honestly, mm. I mean, they all have major flaws, but they're all sort of like you know. That's an A, that's an A minus, you know. Mm. Um, I'm really happy with them. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing for me is that is that season two, um, season two tried to redo season one and have those grand, you know, multiple timelines, have a twist. Um, you know, the flashback stuff was better. At the end of season two, the reviews were so terrible, season two, that they decided season three was going to be eight episodes and it was going to be streamlined, mm. no multiple, you know, it's not about the big twist. It winds up still having the big twist, right? Yeah. You know, Caleb was recruited and it still makes the same the same fundamental error, which is to try to have the big narrative, right? The, it was all part of Ford's master plan. It was all part of Dolores's master plan, right? Mm. To recruit Caleb and, you know, uh, take down the super AI, but but make sure that a human actually is the one who finally presses that button, which you've selected him because he was willing to press and then put that button in front of him. You know, it's like, you know, God with the Garden of Eden. Like, you know, mm. don't touch that tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the deck is so rigged, but it, it it's this master narrative. Like even the stuff with William, that stuff with William is great. Give me an episode with William. Just have it be the flashback episode with William. Instead, what we get is that. Then he's just busted out of prison, does random stuff, and isn't important in the finale. Why, you know, why did we get any of that? Just give me the short stories. Give me the anthology show. 
don't you know you've made the same mistake that you made in the second season despite trying to learn from your mistakes no i agree especially if we use william as an example one of the key things they try to do is you know you we talked about those those left turns you know the sort of like 180 sort of degree that, that people decisions that people make williams is the only one that seems to make sense in some cases so he's they've, they've portrayed him in some um um daft ways if they've gone through it but this thing of when he comes out of his the institution and all this other stuff and now he's like he sees what's going on and he's just like i've been through all this other crap i've dealt with that now i'm literally going to go out and i'm going to save the world and it's almost like you know i'm going to go and take all these hosts that i know and, and, and now the dolores that are out there it still feeds into this ego that we know he's had since season one you know, he wants to be the savior. He wants the event. He's doing it because it's the adventure. Like all these things he's doing still seem to feed into him being this savior and all this having this this grand adventure. So that to me all makes sense. He's one of the most interesting characters across all the series. Again, because it's played by Ed Harris, and I think he's great. So I think that helps. Um, but some of the other characters just sort of just seem to be. I don't know. They just sort of they do things, and the choices are made throughout the series that sort of like a head scratching. Um, Bernard's sort of story again. They sort of like they have interesting bits, but then it sort of just seems to fumble along. And they introduce Stubbs. You know, they've got this, and again, like he goes back to Westworld. It's confirmed. It's just it's an island off the in the South China Sea. All right, that's cool. I now know where it is. Brilliant. And then so you get Stubbs back in the security head of security fixes him up, brings him back. All right. So, so is he going to be a badass? Is he going to now sort of help and, and take down Dolores? Yeah, sort of. Like it, it, he ends up leaving him in a bathtub, like, you know, when he's broken. It's, it's... No, it doesn't go anywhere. And, and no. the idea of sort of like the... Uh, don't forget he also reprogrammed Stubbs to like put, you know, him yeah. for Bernard first, which is cool. So, yeah. I mean, again, as a short story, you know, Bernard's story is awesome, right? But... You know, remember the end of season two, I mean, the incoherent choice uh, of Dolores after she gets out with these, you know, five, uh, you know, or so orbs, right? And and one is clearly Bernard and she brings Bernard back and she's like, I only did this to have an enemy. Like, you know, it's God and the devil fighting or something. Mm. I mean, it's it's really dumb. Like, I I want to win, but I'm going to make sure that I create my own enemy. I mean, and then Bernard, it doesn't, you know, he talks a good game, but then he just abandons all of this. None of that was important. There's a good short story in there. There's a good episode focusing on Bernard, you know, and and sort of like the buddy cop movie of him and Stubbs, you know, um, that that would be really cool. And we kind of get that spaced out over multiple episodes, but it just fizzles out. It just goes nowhere. Mm hmm. And that, that's sort of the problem. Because again, there's mysteries that they've set up. Like I said, there's orbs. And at the end of season two, she brings back Bernard. Dolores is sort of like, you know, in, in all her glory, she's wearing that black dress. And then you but you still see um, Charlotte is stood in the background. And, but you know she's dead. So the question now is, okay, well, who's in her then? Mm-hmm. You know, so that was that was the mystery. It was sort of left there as a bit of a, oh, okay, that's interesting. She, you know, she's got this, and I think the assumption at one point is supposed to have been it was Teddy. That was always, I think, a guess or a speculation. Nope, they're all Dolores's. As okay. a reveal, and you're like, where do they come from? 
Well, let me let me explain how just profoundly dumb this is. Okay, <laughs> because you know you're right that like the the end of the show is we're, we're dooming the human race basically, and we're supposed to clap and celebrate. Um, but even stupider than that, like the Teddy thing upsets me because she holds uh, she holds Charlotte in bed like she held. Te- so there's this visual echo mm. of the way she held Teddy's body, which is brilliant. I mean, I love when you're able to communicate a piece of information visually without actually telling people that's Teddy wink, wink. And then it winds up just being a copy of Dolores. Now here's the thing. We have already seen that Dolores blew up in uh, season two, the backups, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not supposed to be any additional copies of anyone. Right. Um, in season two, Bernard took Dolores's apparently, you know, between scenes, took Dolores's brain gem and, mm-hmm. you know, then put it into a new body of Charlotte, who then killed and replaced Charlotte. OK, so there cannot be more than one Dolores at the same time for Bernard to do that. There's got to be he had to have that gem of a thing. She has explicitly destroyed the ability to make copies. Yet there are these old copies and we find out in season three that she was the first host that all of them are based on. Now, I like watching a version of her evolve as Charlotte. That's cool. But it would have been just as much fun if it was Teddy and Teddy Mm. continued to evolve. It doesn't need to be Charlotte. And the idea that she talk about destroying the idea that you are like a savior of your species, if if you are so narcissistic <laughs> that you're like, not all of us deserve yeah. to get there, season two, Dolores. Well, what she really meant is not anybody but me. I'm yeah. going to take copies of myself. Um, but also we know you don't need those orbs to have copies of yourself. Copy that data, dude. We're seeing, and, and that's literally, I mean, so if... If Maeve dies, right, we see at the end Dolores makes a stupid, 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 stupid sacrifice as they're deleting her memories. And it looks like, you know, a screen of if you're defragmenting a hard drive, right, you know, just in a circle. It's just horrible. And we're supposed to feel like, oh, that's the Dolores who died. But we've already established there's a ton of Dolores out there. We've never seen the, like, you know, the Asian Dolores, the Japanese Dolores. We've never seen, you know, we know Charlotte Dolores is still out there. Dolores isn't dead. Yeah, there's a Lawrence Dolores. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, and if if Maeve dies, you know, it's like, well, we know we could just copy her. (laughs) There's no sense of stakes, no sense of death. Not literally nothing. I mean, you managed to have the sacrifice of your main character and it means less than nothing. And, yeah. and you just watch it thinking you guys have already explained why this is irrelevant. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't. They really don't. It's because it's, it's, it's having the Evan Rachel Wood. Be, that's it. You've seen her. Aren't you? That's the point. Again, it's that thing about you've seen the main actress commit the sacrifice. But if you've got any sort of announced about you going, all right, so this, so this whole thing will be taken up by the next person or the next Dolores in line. Or we've seen this in other films. Like, you know, yeah, you create cells. This one goes down. The next one picks up the mantle and carries on. Like, so that's the story, surely. Like, you know, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, and the other thing is, the thing I hate more than that is sometimes like they they keep showing 
like she's being drained of her memories and she's sort of being shut down. And like, yeah, but look, we've seen them be able to switch her off. So mm-hmm. why does it look like she's in pain while this is happening? Like she isn't in like it's, it, stop giving them human attributes in this way because it doesn't work that way. That that's the problem I have with this is they, they sort of like say that they, they they're never entirely sure who the villain is and who the hero is in this. In fact, I don't think there's any heroes because it's just and that's sort of the problem. You know, there's no one to follow because by the end of the show, I'm a bit like, yeah, all right, I don't really like anybody in this. <laughs> they're all they're all dicks. Bernard's the only one I really care about. The one I really enjoy. Uh, and Maeve is when she's on screen. She's great. But like even her story gets sort of truncated and thrown aside a little bit. Um, of her looking for being blackmailed into... Well, not blackmailed, but sort of like, you know, we can get you your daughter. I can get you access to your daughter if you do this, if you work on our behalf or on behalf of the AI and the corporation. And then, again, at the end of it, she turns around. She's like, no, no, no. Dolores is right. I'm now going to side with this chaos, and yeah. and it's like, oh, well, here's how stupid this is, right? Like, okay, you're going to give me access to my child. Guess what? We're all computer programs. Find a backup of my child. Find a backup of me, and put us in a simulation together. I'm willing to be your assassin or to die for any cause because I'm going to create a copy of me that yeah. you know I know. I mean, so what is I mean, to, to make matters worse, the end has this twist where, like, the last memory Dolores preserves her. How does she do? I mean, none of this makes any sense. She keeps hold of her last memory, and, you know, Maeve goes into it. If all you have is one memory, how can you talk about anything? I mean, none mm. of this makes sense. And But don't forget, in that last memory is a hidden virus that gets uploaded yeah. to the super AI. Okay, so... That's another twist. Yet another twist. It's a twist. Mm. But because of that, nothing in the plot makes any sense. Mm. Episode one, Dolores says, you know, I'm going to break into the super AI. Oh, no, you got me. You're ripping my memories apart. Oh, no. Guess what? My last memory had a virus. Bam, I won. End of entire show. There's no, why were you shooting anybody? Why did you recruit Caleb? Caleb does nothing. <laughs> you know, none well, of this is important. Yeah. It becomes pointless. And that's the thing. And I said, like, if the journey on this stuff was good, I would be okay. Oh, yeah. And in the, the finales, yeah, like Stephen King book. Yeah, the end's terrible, but the journey there was fantastic. Like, I really enjoy it. But even like the journey is sort of so daft, even a, a reduced number of episodes, like they just can't help themselves. Um, they talk about like Caleb's supposed to be this, you know, like he's there to make this choice. He can make this choice. He's the kind of person that can, whatever. But yet we see him commit violence repeatedly. And they have like a running street battle at one point where he's just randomly firing at people. You know, oh, there's all those pedestrians that probably got fought, killed in the crossfire. Um, but they also introduce one of the biggest bugbears during this uh, battle with, with a point that like, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be extended, but genre, the drug is mm. introduced and is the, 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 hey, so the, we cannot end this podcast without talking about genre <laughs> i i paused this episode to like take a breath at this point because i was like i'm not sure i can get past this so they introduced a drug which again 
as a sci-fi concept in and of itself is quite interesting in you know is that you take this drug and then you experience the world in a series of five genres okay and that includes auditory and visual hallucinations within your world that depict that okay and this includes like action and 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 uh, romance and noir is you know all these other sort of things great that's a really cool idea if the film or the show you're watching is about living in the world of drug addiction and detectives or something like that it has no place it's literally an idea that someone's come up with and they're gone that's a good idea let's put that in and then he gets stuck with it takes it during a gun battle and so there's a bit where he's leaning out, shooting things, and they're playing Ride of the Valkyries, which is a terrible action or war song. Like, I get you're trying to compare it to, like, you know, um, Stanley Kubrick's um, Full Metal Jacket or something like that, but it just doesn't work. And then they end it with them stood there, and you have this depiction of soft-focused Dolores shooting people, and Caleb looks over and it's sort of like with the romance, the romance music. And you think, okay, is this depicting that he's going to have some sort of, like, you know chemistry or love interest in there in as a host nope is this scene going to pay off in any way nope could it have just been a normal run and gun battle yep and would it have changed anything nope it's so infuriating that if you're going to do something interesting with this do something interesting it's- yes well, and this perfectly epitomizes the problem of this show and of the season right mm. um because, I mean, I'm exactly with you. Genre is a great idea on its mm. own, right? I don't think it has to be about drug addiction, but, you know, and, and the show, to a certain degree, I mean, like, you have this black and white footage, you you know, it's um, it's actually Apocalypse Now, right? The, yes, uh, the yes, flight of, that's right. you know, it's, it's a cliche, but, you know, I'm willing to go with it, right? And And you keep thinking, like, all right, where is this going, you know? It's not, it has nothing to, it's just an idea. It's just mm. a cool idea. Throw it in their kitchen sink, right? And at the end, Caleb stone cold murders somebody on a beach. And you're like, <laughs> how much of this episode has been a hallucination? Is, you know, clearly like that he's just crossed the line, right? The show wants you to know he's crossed the line. Does episodes five through eight know that he crossed the line? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Genre. You know, and you get this, like, it, it does feel very much like a um, film student, kind of like a student film, you know, mm-hmm. like, we're going to cut to black and white, and, you know, uh, and you're not going to know what's real. Like, okay, you do know you're in a longer narrative, right? You know, I don't know. It's it's this, that's an idea. How does that connect with anything else? And then genre just disappears. There's no effect of any of this. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 a bit like that with throughout this show. I mean, that you say about ideas, and it's almost like some of the departments aren't talking to each other. They're like, "We're doing this, so do this with the editing, all right?" And they'll do something with the editing. Add some music. We want some. We want some music that meets these genres. Oh, okay, I'll just let me just flick through this file here and see what we've got. Like it's completely detached from what is actually trying to go on. And if it was then going to say something about the moment or this idea and it was going to be addressed and I'd be like, okay it's an access point for something a bigger idea but the fact it's never come back to anything just infuriates me um but it's the same as the protests at the end yes 
you know, there's these protests at the end. Like the world's gone to shit. We've had this information, and again, like talking about the cons, the pros and cons. First, before we get to the protests, you see the information that people have been sent. Like people get this, uh, a, a pop up comes up on their phone or device, and they get to see things. And you see like some smug looking twat on a uh, on a train, and he's sort of like you know, basically like uh, prone to this, prone to that. People laugh behind his back. You know, mm-hmm. nobody trusts him. It's like, oh, it's, well, that's negative. And then another one, you see another one sort of like likely to get diabetes in the next five years or prone to, you know, to Alzheimer's. And you get all this stuff. At no point is anyone put their hand up and gone like, hey, check this. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently everyone likes me. I'm lovely. Like, there's no one with positive information. It's all based on the negative again. And it, that's infuriates me. I really hate the fact that like it, it leads to people committing suicide. It, it leads to people sort of like overreact, like tear, literally running into the streets and tearing things down. And I'm like, I, it just seems like such an overreaction. And then it leads to a protest. Now the protest I can understand because you know this information has been held about you at a corporation, but we all know, we all because it's explained early on, that's not a surprise because everyone knows about this AI. Mm-hmm. everyone's aware of it it's not a shock it's not a big secret that's, that's about to come out it's just the fact that this information's now been sent to you to tell you what it's doing with that information it shouldn't be a shock mm-hmm. but then they say about in the protest there's banners that say things like don't put us in a box i'm not a this i'm not a that and it's just sort of like well wait no. no you are you are right? yeah right like i i one of those boxes is like i'm married yeah, yeah, we have data on you based on, you know, your politics, based, you know, what do you think face? I mean, I know, no, no, this is supposed to be like big data, right? You know, mm. what do you think Facebook has on you now? What do you think Google has on you now? Right. We all know this. We've all heard the stories of people getting, um, you know, uh, crib ads in the mail before yeah. they know that they're pregnant. Right. Because just looking, crunching them. It's not that magic has been done. It's just <laughs> crunching those numbers. Right. Giving what you like. You know, look. You're watching like Honey Boo Boo and, you know, you're 16 and, you know, you're of a certain political stripe, a certain Mm -hmm. socioeconomic background. Odds are pretty good. You're going to get pregnant within the next year. Maybe that's 50 percent, but it's enough to send you crib ads. Okay, there's no magic here. Um, People who are overweight, most people in my family are overweight. They all know, you know, maybe not my dad because he's self-delusional, but, you know, they all know. They're at higher risk for heart disease, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I suffer from depression. I know that, you know, I I could gauge in any given year of my life what the odds are of me killing myself in the next uh, 10 years, right? Mm. Of just having a bad day, you know, things are not going well. Maybe I have health problems. Maybe I have, you know, issues or whatever, and I spiral out. That's something I've dealt with my whole life. Now, thank God, so to speak, you know, I uh, am doing better than I have, you know, uh, but if I saw something that said likely to wander into the woods and put a shotgun in his mouth, that's the most likely form of death. Right. And within 15 years, I'd say, oh, well, I've always known that's a possibility. I never thought that that would be the that is the most obvious way. Come to think of it. Right. Which it's not. OK, this is hypothetical. But I'd say, oh, well. I got to take my mental health a little more seriously because, yeah. yeah. you know, because I've always known that, like, I know I'm depressed. I know that's something I got to avoid. And my loved ones know that we have conversations like you promised to call me, 
you know, if you ever get there. This is a common thing in people's lives. Mm. None of these things are a shock. And your response should be, oh, I'm going to get diabetes? You know, maybe I need to stop eating candy. Maybe I need to, you know, take my mental health a little more seriously to lower the odds of that happening. In no form should somebody be like, you know what? I'm I'm a I'm I'm fat and I eat tons of candy every day. Yeah. I'm angry at you for telling me so. <laughs> I'm a depressed fuck. <laughs> How dare you yeah. say that I'm depressed? That and that's the problem with the information that's shared is like none of it should be a shock. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like exactly. If I was to get through, like say, likely to get diabetes, suffer from heart disease or something by the you know by the age of whatever, I'd be a bit like look in the mirror and go, yeah, shit, yeah, I should. I've been trying to do something about it, but now you've confronted me with that information. Do you know what? You're right. I've got to start doing something about it. Like it shouldn't be. If anything, this information should be sent out already. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, so, and we don't we have a you know look there there are some countries, especially in Europe, right, that are focusing on privacy laws and right mm. to see some of this information. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I literally sat down this afternoon and filled out a census. The UK census was complete. Was uh, the deadline's tomorrow? But I filled it in. You know, it's been filled in. So I'm literally giving information about like myself and our family and our household to the government. And like you say, how many times have I sort of filled in information online for a purchase or just cookie information? Or you know, I'm not. I'm not daft. I know that Alexa's sat in the background listening to every bleeding thing I say. <laughs> so no wonder, you know, Amazon ads that pop up and you're thinking, hang on a minute. Um, it, it's so out of touch, this thing of all people protesting. If you're, if you're living in the 21st century or in the 2021 and you don't know that, that these big companies have got data on you, then I'm sorry, you know, to, to let you know, they do. But the funny thing that makes me laugh even more is the ones that say, I don't fit into a box. And then, more and more in society at the moment. Now, we are creating more boxes. Yeah, there's boxes, you know, facilitate diversity. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, um, you know, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm trans, I'm this, I'm that. Whatever, whatever it is that your box you fit into, wonderful. You've got, you know, you can find your niche. You can find your identity. That's part of the thing. It's still a fucking box. Right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. And, you know... Maybe it's good. I mean, this is also like the the idea of the spontaneous protest, right? It's also like the sort of like V for Vendetta thing. Like, yes. oh, you mean you you blew up a building? You know, you know, oh, it never occurred to me before. <laughs> you know, like we could fight this government. You know, like really? Um, yeah. I mean, this big data thing. The reality is, people would be looking at their cell phones and being like, oh, some of this isn't complimentary. Well. Uh, you know, do do I get free shipping? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, do I get to use a social media platform for free? Oh, well, all right then. You know, that's the reality. Is we all give up this data willingly? Yeah, and I, I, I think what what makes me laugh more about this is, let's say, it's not complimentary. Is is the, the instant <laughs> response if everyone takes offense? And we know that happens. Everyone takes offense at everything at the moment. They're very, you know, we're a very sensitive world at the moment for a number of reasons. But this thing of rip, running out to the streets and ripping things down, it's not this. This isn't, you know, George Floyd being killed. This isn't this isn't, you know, um, some of the gunshot, you know, uh, some pauper, you know, some poor uh, black kid being shot. who was just going out to get their car or whatever, like some tragic accident or, you know, some everyone got this. Mm-hmm. 
And it's what's what makes I feel like everyone. This is this thing about the negative again. Like I want to go and see the family again that sat around the dinner room table and was going like, "All right, well, there you go." <laughs> Carries on with dinner, but that's it's just this. It's just this. I don't know. It just you, well, you have mean, to fit into this extreme to for this series to work. There's also a subtle way in which though, and I think you touched on it, in which those narratives of sudden spontaneous protest and, and sudden mm. spontaneous irrational protest are fundamentally illiberal, which is, you know, you mentioned George Floyd, you mentioned Black Lives Matter. You know, we have programmed ourselves through fiction with this idea of the mob and the mm. mob just take it to the streets and destroying stuff. It's like, no, first of all, Black Lives Matter has never done that, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. these, you know, people who take advantage, in a lot of cases, it's organized crime, who take advantage of protests and, and unrest, mm-hmm. you know, to hit the Macy's or something, you know, yeah. or, you know, those are, that's not Black Lives Matter, okay? Um, but we have this idea of like, oh, you know, I mean, it's sold to us, right? Oh, you know, those people are fundamentally irrational and they're going to protest over nothing and just smash windows. No, that's first of all, that's not what they're doing. Secondly, they're not irrational. This is a legitimate protest, which I've been a part of. Okay. So, you know, it it is, it is a fundamentally illiberal thing. The other thing is to get at what you were saying about what about the positives? Speaking of that, what about the ability of the super AI to look at your profile and say, you know what? You're the kind of cop who would kneel on somebody's neck yes. for 19 minutes. Okay. You know, guess what's going to be flagged in that file? Do not, not suitable for police work. <laughs> Do yeah. not give this person authority. Right. Same thing. You know, we, we have a, a new mass shooting every week in this country. Mm. Um, greatest country in the world, by the way. Um, you know, new mass shooting every week. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, this most recent one, 21-year-old, you know, I had get it. He had a bad day. He had a bad Hell, day. That's right. That's what the, the police one said. Bad, yeah, as, as uh, Alan Moore would say, one bad day. Eh? That's right. Well, he read the killing joke and said, yeah. I, this is going to be known as the killing joke defense. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so so look, sometimes I see I see these shooters and I think, yeah, you know, I get that there's a problem with loneliness and especially uh, men, predominantly white men, young white men. If you are 21 and you have no hope of getting a girlfriend Of course, we have worse income inequality than ever before. You know, you're poor. You think I can't get a girlfriend. All of your images on TV are of, you know, Bruce Wayne driving, you know, Lamborghinis. Right. And you say, that's what success is. I never have that. I have no hope of ever owning a house. I'm 21. These are supposed to be based on what I see in the media. The Mm. years where I get drunk and get laid and, you know, and. I have no hope of ever having a, a girlfriend, let alone a wife, let alone a family, of ever feeling like I am participating in the American dream. And, you know, when you're that age, especially as a man, men are, you know, more prone to violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when we are not happy, we are dangerous. You know, when we really feel hopeless, we are we are dangerous. Not all, you know, not all men, okay? but, you know, 
this is part of how we evolve. Um, and, and also how we're conditioned by the media. A lot of men share those demographics. Wouldn't it be great if we had a super AI that were able that was able to parse all of that history? His parents were worried about him and say, you know what? This is the set of 21-year-old men who are suffering from these conditions who are very likely to go out and murder people as a result of it mm. instead of just being depressed and, and dealing with it, right? That'd be awesome. I'd love if we could flag those outliers, yeah. you know, and figure out something. To it's do. about it's about what to do with them. Again, like you know, recently we had um, I'm horribly name uh, Everard, the the woman that was attacked and she was murdered and her body was found and stuff. And it's found out that you know, again, a policewoman and a, a you know, and a police has been arrested for the attack. But again, it comes down to this idea of rape. Like, there's a big discussion at the moment about women feeling unsafe walking in the streets, and that's tragic. Like, you know, I'm well aware. You know, as you sort of say, uh, I'm just over six foot. I'm I'm bald. I'm big. You know, I am well aware that after a certain time in the evening, if I'm walking down the street, I can look intimidating. I look like the lost Mitchell brother, for God's sake. You know, I, I belong in some sort of gangster film, but I, I know I'm not going to do anything. You know, usually because I'm too in my own head you know, debating the rights and wrongs of uh, Westworld or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, well, the, some... the astrophysics of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if I do stop a young woman on the street, it's usually to sort of say, what are your thoughts on... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that you know is Terminator One a determinate time loop, and she'll just look at me and go, "You're weird," and walk off. Um, uh, that that that's me at twenty one. Um, but the but thing is, she doesn't know that, and so you know, so that I feel that's tragic. I've got a daughter, I've got a wife, and you know, I, I I'm raising a predominantly female family. So to to know this is 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 really sad. But like you say, if we had this this vast AI that was able to say. Yeah, we have identified these kinds of people that are prone to sexual violence or, you know, this persuasion and we can know it. We're not going to arrest them. We're not they haven't committed a crime. They are of that persuasion. But you know what? We are going to pre do preventative actions to, you know, we are going to look into how we can prevent this. How do we deal with these things? How do we sort of, you know, assuage these mental ten these tendencies whatever it is that needs to happen to be preventative we can do something about that now because we can identify them and we can help them that's good it's all good like you know we should be looking at a, this program should be a utopia not some necromancer style sort of dystopia like it, it they haven't again we went back to what we said in the second series they, they've got an idea and they just haven't thought it out they've just gone well ai is a bit of a thing at the moment and you know, we want to do a cyberpunk kind of story. Let's mm -hmm. do that. It just, it just, it needs to be balanced, and it's not. Yeah. Well, you know, the 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 thing of um, sort of weeding out. You know, it's like we we have these conversations about. Yes, not all men, but also yes, all women. Right. I mean, mm. you know, um, as a man who you know, has never followed a woman to her car in my life unless I was escorting her, mm. you know, either to protect her or, or willingly. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine being that creepy guy. And, 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 and I don't assume that another guy is unless I see clear signs. And then I usually intervene. Mm. Having said that, it helps me to understand, like, look, 
you only needed to be that guy once, right? Yeah. And you don't know who's that guy. And, you know, this is a common thing. Well, wouldn't it be great if that super AI could identify that guy, as you're saying? But again, to, to, to make a point for those of us, you know, those listening who might not be as liberal as us, um, you know, uh, points have been made about, um, you know, concern about false charges of mm-hmm. uh, of rape, mm-hmm. false charges, you know, false charges of abuse in court, you know, to, you know, win custody and men struggle to make custody. Now, statistically, that's less than 10 percent of all of these charges and whatever. But wouldn't it be great if that same super AI could identify not just that male predator, right? This is not just some way of identifying those violent men, as I was suggesting earlier, but also uh, identifying the kind of women who would do those kinds of things. Mm. You know, like, oh, yeah, this is somebody who lacks a certain ethical gene in her brain and is going to go there. The same, it helps everybody. Why aren't we doing this? I want the super AI now. Yeah. And the fact is, let's say, we, we have to identify that um it's not emotional this isn't picking on you this isn't picking out you know scott weatherly and going you know i don't like you so i'm going to be you know monitoring you it's no no no. i have an algorithm that picks out specific information and if you are within that the range of this information then you will receive this attention you know i don't get sent adverts for whatever because you know the computer's going well, I, th- I think I think you want these adverts. It's going no, no, no. You have had this web search, or you've clicked on these things, which has told me you want to see more of this. It's the same as the the crib, isn't it? Really, you know, you know. Yeah. Mostly, it comes from things like the Folio Society or Zavi sending me new expensive toys that I shouldn't be buying. But <laughs> it, it's the, it's the same thing. It's not emotional. It's not personal. It's based on data. But we've got it. But we don't have a weirdly we don't trust that because it's not emotional and because it's not uh personal you know we need that human intervention we don't trust it if it doesn't have the human intervention so and i think that's the number what this show is trying to get at but it just doesn't work <laughs> yeah well i i wanted to touch on you know when since you were talking about gender you know another thing which you know in the in the when we recorded this the first time you mm. brought up and, and you were brave enough to bring up and and it touched a nerve for me, and I was glad that you did, about the presentation of, of sexuality and of gender mm. in the show. And I think that, you know, and, and I said in response that I think that the presentation of female sexuality is, you know, innately objectifying and aggressive is there from season one, right? Yes. Um, that, and, and you do see, like, the, the gratuitous or maybe not gratuitous, but the, the nude scenes lessen oh, as the show goes on, and I f- can feel that it's trying to address these issues. Um, Just before you get the, the point yeah. to make, though, is that the, in this show, all the villain characters, or the, all the depicted, you know, or at least the, the ones to be um, to be beaten are all male, mm-hmm. is is the point. And it, so you have, like, this female protagonist in, in you know, Dolores and Maeve, um, and, you know, that I suppose even... Clementine comes back and gets her kick-ass moment against all these uh, these male characters, and it was it's just it's just an identification of that, which is just leaning into. Uh, it, it's fine, really. I mean, it doesn't hugely bother me, to be honest. But mm-hmm. it's just it's just it just again a little heavy-handed in the way it's handled in the show. 
Yeah, exactly. I agree with you completely. And and I thought, you know, recently of, uh, you know, uh, I love, I finally saw the Burton Alice in Wonderland. And I thought, mm. I hate a historical, like, you know, I'm a Victorian era woman. Watch me crack my head to the <laughs> side and, and throw some punches and land Iron Man style. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Or, or give a speech out of, you know, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, you know, mm-hmm. 70 years earlier or something. Um, but and I usually hate that, but it, it worked for me. I didn't feel that way because it was fantasy. And I thought here is a woman who defies society, defies the expectations of her. And it worked brilliantly. And I thought this is a movie that I love if I had a daughter for her to see, and mm. if I had a son for him to see. On the other hand, you have that heavy handedness of like we mentioned uh, Captain Marvel of the, the climax where it's like, I'm just a girl as she's punching people and flying around with superpowers. No, you're not just a girl. You kind of hit the lottery. Yeah. You know, um, you're the exact opposite of somebody dealing with on the streets with with real issues of gender here. I'm glad to see, you know, um, female protagonists. That's great. But there is that kind of like women are doing it for themselves, sort of wink, wink you know, at the camera where it's just a little heavy handed. And I think, you know, these are both robots, right? And they're yeah. fighting to destroy our world. It's yeah. not clear at all that any of them are good guys. Um, it's not like I'm going to look to these robots and go like, that's, you know what? When I grow up, I'm going to be a robot who tries to destroy the world. Yeah. <laughs> what is being said here? Yeah, well, it, again, it, it comes at this sort of thing of like, you know, they want to show that... Um, Maeve is maternal like it's all about her getting to her daughter and, and so you know that's great because again it's just trying to show that maternity and then it'll show her uh, balancing that out by then you know being given the potential of finding that by being kick-ass like, I don't know where she gets all the, the skills from you know she's like the Matrix whoa I know Kung Fu you know it's, it's that sort of moment <clears throat> again I'm, I'm glad that you know yes she, it shows that she is willing to do anything to get back to her daughter but we've already seen that her daughter doesn't recognize her as her daughter and her daughter has another mother mm-hmm. so again i'm still in this problem especially now that we've seen there's been able to be duplicates mm-hmm. of like so she's going to go and do what to this other mother <laughs> Is she going to yeah. go and kill this other, other mother to then brainwash the child and take her back? I, I, presumably it, not, but presumably she's going to be like, hey, you want to have a second mom? I, yeah. I, I, I am now going to intrude on your utopia and say, yeah. I have memories that I wish to impose on your family. <laughs> yeah, and again, it goes back to this thing of like the individual's rights. It is my right to have that daughter, not to say, well, she seems happy, and actually she's now in this utopian thing, so I'm going to sacrifice my happiness so that she can be happy and take a step back. Mm-hmm. And it's all because they want to continue with this maternal thing, but it doesn't come across as maternal after a while. It starts to come across as obsessive. <laughs> and creepy. Yes. Yeah. And wouldn't you prefer the episode, like, let's say we start, episode two starts with the the Nazi world, right? Mm. Let's say you just play that out. You get Lee involved in everything. She escapes. And for the rest of the episode, you have her basically building her own VR playground, her own, you know, alternate reality, you know, playground in which she has cloned the code for her daughter, cloned Mm. the code, and she's just got clone after clone after clone of her daughter and none of those relationships are working because the daughter doesn't, you know, she's trying to roll back the code to a version that recognizes her as a mom. And none of 
you know, let's be careful what you wish for. And we watch an iterative kind of process like that until at the end, Mavis like, what am I about now? Like I went back yeah. into Westworld for the, and, and that could be the last we see of Mae for all I care. That would have been a great episode, much better than her having ninja fights on the cities, you know, with Dolores and changing her mind at the end. Yeah. It, it's, it's again, it's this thing of like, they haven't thought it through. I, I love that idea. If, if anything, this idea of, or, or even that she does clone a, a copy of the daughter, this duplication, but then comes to the conclusion that it's a clone. She, Because you know, she's a consentient. She's now lived these experiences and can't deal with the fact that it's a replica, you know. So, and then has to close it down into the heartbreakingness of shutting that down and saying, you know, no, I have to move on. And, and, yeah. and understanding she has a new destiny. Like, give her some agency in that. <laughs> in that decision it, it just it's that thing of saying like you say saying you know, we want to be feminist we want to show these strong female characters but we're going to show they're being strong by making them kick ass no right. give them agency to actually fulfill or to actually guide their own destiny not this garbage that you, you're trying to force on us by the end of this show yeah and you know i think is i think it's that kind of like making them kick ass on paper so much Ooh. of this is you know this is the Zack Snyder thing, right? Like on paper, these are good ideas, right? Mm. Like on paper, the women are, are kicking ass, the female characters are kicking ass, and they decide the fate of the world. Okay, that sounds very empowering. Except they're evil, they're incoherent. Mm -hmm. None, you know, they have no, they lose all semblance of actually being characters that I could identify with or care about. So, you know, okay, so great. You've got a cipher who happens to be a woman with this, I mean, okay, I wouldn't care any, I wouldn't be, you know, any, any more or less upset if it was a man, I guess. I mean, at least it's a woman, at least there's a point you're making there, but you can't forget narrative in the interest of, you know, just yeah. saying, Hey, on paper, we're doing something cool. And that's what it comes down to. A lot of this, this third series is a collection of ideas that they've just sort of thrown together into create a plot, but without really, thinking it through they, they've done that they you know the writer's room just patted itself on the back and gone we've got ai in here and we've got this we've got that you know it sounds great none of it has been thought through and none of it has sort of added to a wider world in a film if you had two hours to tell this story and you had you know just that very restricted time limit i am willing to accept you show the extremes of a, of a, of a civilization Right. Mm -hmm. Think. Let's talk. Think Blade Runner. Yeah. You mm -hmm. get to see L.A. and you get to see uh, Deckard as a Blade Runner, and you get to see the replicants, and that's about it. And you get to see little bits and pieces. You don't get to see a wider part of America. You don't get to see how these replicants. We, we said it when we did the show. How they're used in different pieces. Like, doesn't matter. You've got an hour and a half, right. two hours to tell that story. I'm accepting it in that. When you've got eight hours to tell this story and you still don't give me that wider narrative or at least glimpses of that wider world. That's a failure. That is, that's yeah. an absolute failure of time management and pacing. Well, and, and that is one of, one of my biggest objections with this, with this season is that, you know, if Westworld season one and two implicitly dangle the mystery of like, what is the world outside of this? Mm. I have no idea. I, I, yeah. I, you've spent an entire season. 
that is supposedly subtitled The New World. And I have no idea what lived life is like for these people, except they're pretty irascible and, you know, prone to, right? You know, that's all I know. Um, and, you know, and I know that part of the point is, guess what? It's just as violent and cutthroat on the world outside. But that seems like you've rigged the deck, right? You've just shown me this criminal underworld and you've shown me the highfalutin sort of rich mm. outside. But first of all, I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe that, you know, George W. Bush and, uh, you know, uh, the heads of Apple and Amazon are having people murdered. OK, I don't believe that. That's such a dumb conspiracy kind of thing. But and I also even if you want to go that direction, I don't believe that um, that those are, you know, represented that the entire world outside of Westworld is just as cutthroat. If that were the case. Why go to Westworld or show yeah. the world in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Like go, you know, go slumming, go to like the, the bad neighborhood bar. Yeah. Apparently you will be involved in gunplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. It can't get away from the violence and then that sort of thing that was needed for, for Westworld or Shogun world. And they need to then portray it in the real world. I still think there's a, there, it would have been, a, there's a better story here with a fa replace Caleb with a family man that falls into this situation mm. and then has to make some real decisions about the future of his family and, you know, the generations that will come later. That is someone who has to make a decision. That's someone who's dealing with the real problems, you know, you know, um, someone who knows their son has got, um, to put genetic potential for, you know, I don't know, uh, extreme autism or something that mm -hmm. sort of like, that will then, yeah, that, that knows this algorithm will not play out well for a member of their family. There are ways of doing this where they're actually able to weigh up the pros and cons, mm -hmm. not basically some gun toting petty criminal. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then that story could contrast with Maeve's story, you know, as two mm. examples of, you know, of being a parent yeah. and thinking about the next generation. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, you know, I mean, in some, all I can say is cannot wait for season four. <laughs> will you, and that's what I was going to ask actually, if, and when season four comes, will you watch it? Absolutely. Um, without a doubt. I mean, there's enough that's good. You know, look, I, I mean, I, I watched every season of Humans. I mean, I love sci-fi. That's mm. why we're doing this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can get something good out of anything. Yes, there are elements of this that are just painful. And by the end, I feel like, why did I do this to myself? But I am in an abusive relationship with Westworld. <laughs> and, I, and, and look, there are shots in this that are so beautiful, that, mm. you know, um, even at the end, Caleb taking off in that, uh, the, the design work just on the, the flying cars and stuff, uh, it, the glass cars, you know, all of this is stunningly beautiful. That will live in my head long after the stupidity of the plot uh, has evaporated. So, yeah, of course I will. You know, uh, what about you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this show. Um, and, and there's a, there's a point about halfway through. I think it's the genre moment, really, mm -hmm. it, it, in season three when I was like, 
I'm done with this. I, you know, I'm checking out. There are other, you know, there's so much more content to watch. There's so much more things coming. I, I'm not giving this any more time. Um, it, it's it, it, you're right. It looks fantastic. It's stunningly beautiful. Like there are shots in this that are fan, that, like you know that I would love to have seen on the big screen. Like you know, some mm-hmm. of the design work in this is incredible. And there are moments that are really good. I like this idea that if it had been expanded upon the the Dolores that is actually in Charlotte. And you know, the the connection she starts to make with the the with Charlotte's real family is interesting. Yeah, and her story at the end of how she is gets you know gets burnt up and tries to take revenge. Yeah, yeah. there's something there, but unfortunately, it's burnt me so much that I'm just like I don't care enough. And do you know what really like put it over the edge for me is when at the very end they walk out and you get the Fight Club ending. Yeah. And the fact that they're recycling pretty much almost like a replica of a shot of a film from 1999, I'm just like, I'm out. This this show has got nothing new to show me. So yeah, I, I I turned to my friend I was watching with and said, "Cue Pixies music." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's a real shame because this going back to season one, this show started out so well. Mm-hmm. so well and you know there's such promise with this idea and they just you know is it jonathan nolan that's written all this yeah and lisa joy right mm-hmm. yes yeah, so jonathan and lisa joy they clearly have some fantastic ideas there are some mm-hmm. concepts throughout, throughout all of this uh, and ambition great. Yeah. Look, you know, these plot lines you and i don't want them to go for these grand narratives and they fail at the grand narratives but they're willing to go for oh, some pretty yeah. ambitious stuff. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like they're trying, they're swinging for the fences. They're missing more than they're hitting. But I'd also say some of the dialogue and some of the stuff they do with the smaller moments or some of the side stories, like you know, in season one, there are moments that are fantastic. I think the development of Teddy is really good. In season two. Uh, some of the moments when she uh, manipulates Teddy to then get reprogrammed and his suicide and some of the stuff with the man in black and the whole episode with the Native American, like their writing is strong, like really mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that like, they just can't bring it to a close. And the same with season three. There's some good stuff in there, but unfortunately it's almost like they're now, they're now pulling at strands from things that just you know it's I don't know it feels like filler more than anything and if if, if season four might be a, an absolute you know stonker of a season they might come back strong and do something incredible i I won't be there opening night to watch it though i I'll, yeah. I'll wait and see wait for but, the yeah. reviews to come in first yeah. Well, even then, you know, people were giving Wonder Woman 84 a big, you know, impressive reviews, and then I watched it. So, well, all I I saw were negative, but, you know, yeah, no, reviews are, you know, hit or miss. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so that's been Westworld. Um, I I will admit, like, it's been an experience. I've enjoyed it. The film's good. I'll I'll go back and watch the film again. There's a bit of a sort of a, a time capsule of 70s uh, sci-fi and stuff. Um, but yeah, we're moving on, you know. I, I, I Look, I, I love this show. I mean, this show is a dumpster fire in a lot of ways, especially <laughs> by the end. And it is. But it's a dumpster fire where 
you know, you know, the thing is, you know, like as a writer, as a creative writer, you know, one of the things I like most is when something is good enough that it makes me want to rewrite it, you know, mm -hmm. that I see the potential and I'm like, you know, if you only did it this way and, and you do the same thing when we do these pitches and stuff, you know, you always have good ideas. Um, you know, and to me, that's sort of like, you know, I'm used to being frustrated by shit, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm frustrated by the stuff I like way more mm. than this. So um, I, I, I do think it's also, you know, it's an important moment for the prestige sci-fi series, right? Yes. Like in prestige television, this era that we're in, this is the pinnacle of most expensive, most talent, most, you know, high profile names anyway. And it's lackluster, you know, it's got problems. But I hope that in 10 years, there's going to be something else that is filling this gap and doing it better. Yeah. Well, I wonder, because there are other shows that, you know, people talk about a lot that I, I keep talking about. You know, I know that, well, I don't think we'll ever do like Star Trek. I think there's too much there to do, maybe. I don't know. But I hear really good things about like The Expanse. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been a few others that people sort of you know will go oh that's you know that's that's good sci-fi and that sort of thing so i don't know there's, there's other shows i think that you know one day i might i might look at oh, the expanse is one that's been on my watch list for quite some time actually so um, well maybe we'll do that as uh the mm -hmm. next inner season you know uh, I, i'm game to do just about anything especially adding a love and excuse to watch something that i haven't yeah, yeah. We, we shall see what comes comes around um you know Right, comes around the mountain uh, on the next one. But we are moving on. We're, we're moving backwards, really. This is because it's all been modern sci-fi. Uh, we're now going to, and we're doing a 50s block, uh, a block of 50s movies. Um, and we will be starting with When Worlds Collide. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to do them off the top of my head. It's been impressive. We're going to do When Worlds Collide, uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Uh, it came from outer space. Um Nope. Uh, the Tingler. Um, Tingler's at the end. Them the is end. in there, right? Them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've written them down, but I've put my book away. What am I missing? I'm, I'm pulling it up. Um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, the full list is When Mortals Collide, it came from outer space. Them, the Quatermass experiment. Yeah, How could you go. forget that? I'm so uh, sorry, yes. Earth versus Flying Saucers and the Tingler in that order. Yes. So it's going to be fantastic. Uh, that is our sort of 50s block. I mean, so we're going to be covering all aspects of uh, 50s sci-fi. Um, and there's really good stuff in there. So uh, I'm really excited to sort of work our way through that. And I'm sure it'll be filled with stories of uh, black women searching for their children because the <laughs> 50s were known for their diversity and cultural that, sensitivity. That's, yeah, that's right. This is going to be possibly the whitest set of films we'll have ever done. Um, we, we'll see. We've got, we've got a load of other stuff coming from. I'm really beyond that. We've got the rest of, of season three, um, which has got some real diversity in. I mean, um, oh, you know, um, we're hitting the pinnacle of sci fi with you know, Demolition Man. <laughs> well, Buckaroo Banzai, Buckaroo Banzai, uh, you know, Little Shop of Horrors. I've got some, I've oh, got man. some absolute, I've, we've got some absolute fun and games there, but also we are touching on. Um, I can't remember what it's called now, but we've got some international sci-fi as well. Uh, with you may have to remind me. 
Eyes Without a Face, mm. uh, Vanilla, well, Open Your Eyes. Yeah. So, oh, uh, and also uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, which, um, you know, a bit of David Bowie. So, mm-hmm. but everything is, it, this season is, uh, I'll tell you what, this is probably, we, you know, the first series was diverse. We did some interesting stuff, but I think season three is, is, is all over the place in a wonderful way. I mean, I am definitely interested to see how this season goes. We've got, there's going to be so much weird stuff that we, we, you know, we're going to be touching on. Um, so, and for those that follow along and watch along with us, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what people feedback on. Uh, feedback on on Westworld because we we really have gone to town. Especially, I've gone to town on this season. So, you know, uh, let us know what you think. You know, do you agree, uh, or do you think we've been overly harsh on this series? Uh, find us at Pod Time Space on Twitter. And uh, or, or leave us a review on you know your favorite podcast catcher and, and let us know how wonderful we are. Amen. Um, but, uh, yeah, but for this episode, that's been it. Uh, Julian, thank you very much, as always. Until next time. Yeah, uh, and we'll get into the next episode. <laughs>